Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the last word on Spurs. We are back for a second show of the week to talk about all the latest things Tottenham Hotspur related. And believe me, there's been quite a lot on the go. But first, we just want to take this opportunity to wish you and your family as well as we continue to battle and to fight COVID-19. Delighted to have this man who is a survivor of it for the moment back well Thank God. Lee McQueen is back on the show. Lee, how are you? How's the family? Yeah, good, good to be back. Uh, yeah, we're all doing well. Thank you. So uh, we're back on our feet and we're, we're lucky ones. So, uh, uh, you know, like I say, uh, stay safe, thoughts uh, and uh, everything goes out to everybody that's being affected by this, which is basically the whole world, isn't it? So uh, uh, hopefully everyone's staying safe, mate. Yeah, agree. We echo those thoughts. All to loved ones, stay safe, keep in your houses, keep on washing those hands. Such crazy and unprecedented times at the moment. But what this time has allowed us to do is to have Jason McGovern back involved, which has been a pleasure because we're not talking about really the current first team, just issues surrounding that. Jace, how are you? Not too bad, mate. I've washed my hands so much. I don't think I've got any skin left on them now. So it's just, just literally the bones sticking out. But <laughs> uh, tough times, but we have to get through it, mate. And... Uh... Just follow all the advice that's been given us, don't we? Yeah, we do indeed. We do indeed. And we're also pleased to have back on the show. I did a couple of interviews with Jamie coming up as well. So delighted to have him back on the show. Jamie from the Daily Hotspurs here. Jay, how are you? How's the family? Yeah, very well. hope uh, all the listeners are doing well. Um, unfortunately, Spurs have given us enough content to uh, come and do a show. Um, obviously not the best content to, to talk about. Um, but yeah, no, I'm all good. Thank you. It's funny, Jay, you say that. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to Jason. I said, I just don't think there's enough to talk about really for Tottenham at the moment. So we'll try and stick to doing our special shows. And to be fair, they've given us a week of content that we've got to try and cram into the space of an hour. So we'll try and get in as much as possible as to what has been happening with our club in the last week or so, because it just has been absolutely crazy. I mean, Lee, I'll start with you. During this period where so much of the world is so crazy... I think the last thing you need is Tottenham Hotspur somehow grabbing the headline still over the course of this last week. I mean, what have you made of it? It's It's been the PR gaff from hell, hasn't it? 
Well, definitely from a public relations perspective, for sure. I mean, I'm no PR expert, as as everyone will know, but I think I said on the on our on our lads WhatsApp group, didn't I? Uh, last week, I think that we needed Toby's PR person to come and step in on the uh, on the uh, on the club because it's been a bit of a disaster, to be fair, um, from a PR standpoint. But you know, from a from a um, from a club perspective, I was just saying off air, weren't we? Before, I can't believe it's only been best part of what, four weeks or so since we've actually since we played our last game I mean it feels like it feels like four months it feels like months and months that we haven't had any football uh, we know for a fact we won't be getting any any football before April 30th and 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 I'm I'm pretty convinced that we won't be getting any football before if any at all uh, before kind of come into June to be to be brutally fair because you know this uh, coronavirus and, and the situation with COVID-19 is, uh, is such what it is so very very strange times to be talking about Spurs so heavily this week when there's been literally no no football kick but I suppose that's Spurs isn't it? It is indeed it, it really is indeed and to be fair we're going to get right into it about the furlough situation and about the social distancing and just what has happened over the course of this last week or so because every day we go to record there's something else that comes out there's something new that comes out so hoping between now and actually when you put your ears to listen to this show hopefully we'll have brought you the most up to date as to where we are with Tottenham Hotspur and what is currently going on Jay for a guy like you that is so kind of socially aware in terms of Twitter as to what is going on with the fan base at the moment. I mean, to be fair, it is up in arms. And at the moment, you would definitely say that this is most certainly Enix. I can only describe it as their most testing time in charge and the backlash they are receiving at the moment. Daniel Levy, of course, came out and said exactly that, that it is a very difficult time for the club. But, um, you know, it's, it's difficult because, you know, a lot of businesses right now are trying to kind of just stay afloat. And, um, you know, as, as Greg Clark, the FA chairman, came out and said, um, all clubs are immune to it, even Premier League clubs. So for Spurs, you know, they had to do something. Um, I mean, look, you can question the way they've gone about doing it. I think that the way they have done it in terms of the furloughing of, of non-playing staff is disappointing and kind of the timing that w- in which they've done it, um, doing it so ten de- just 10 days after the government kind of, kind of um, came out and announced it. So, yeah, look, it's, it, it's really difficult. Look, lots of companies and businesses and clubs are trying to stay afloat, so I've got to do something. But, yeah, I think it's a, the way they've gone about it is rather disappointing, to be honest. Let me ask you, Jason, that is, Spurs, we did last week confirm that we'll be utilising the government's furlough retention scheme on the non-playing staff, which will see the state cover 80% of an employee's wage up into a minimum of 2500 per month. At the time of that announcing, Jace, did it surprise you how soon Spurs done it. I mean, I think the, the key here is that maybe a lot of people feel frustrated because the government scheme to the point had only been in round for 10 days or so. And for a club like Tottenham that are run by a billionaire owner that let's be honest about it, he doesn't have a huge amount of direction and a huge amount of influence on them on a day-to-day basis. But can you understand why fans are so frustrated by how this is managed by the club? I think you have to look at it, how quickly we announced the decision to how quick to the the closeness of when we'd announced our financial results, I think that's one thing. You know, when you come out and you talk about your financial results, and we we make another record profit for a Premier League club, and we've got record turnover and things like that. But then, come the end of the day, you're, you're talking about furloughing people. I think that was perhaps the the worst part of the timing. I don't want to go too much down the the furloughing thing at the moment because I think we're, our opinion of it now may well change over the next 
four or five months or something as uh, as we start to see clubs losing one hell of a lot of money. Um, I think the disappointing thing of, of the furlough that, that did anger me was that we couldn't find a way to top up that, that extra 20%. And I think, you know, when, you, when other clubs did come out and talk about it, which was what the Liverpools and Norwiches, they were at least committing to, to putting their staff on, on full money. So in, in terms of using the furlough, I was uncomfortable with it. But what angered me most was the 20% scheme. But, but as I say, our view could well change the longer and longer we go without football being played. And that, that's oh. the problem. None of us know the end thing. What, what I do fear is that, that we won't be playing anywhere near the amount of football we think we will over the next few weeks or months or whatever. And that, you know, there would, without a doubt, we, we're hearing about Burnley, you know, running out of money by August. So when that's a Premier League club and, and actually even when Liverpool reversed their decision, if you actually read their whole statement where they say we are dealing with times where we cannot operate in the way we currently are, I think there's still a lot of warning signs for a lot of clubs that, that, uh, that we're in a difficult time. And then the other part I find really unedifying was the hounding of players to give up wages when, when there are so many other professions earning big money. And, and for people to be saying they should be taking wage cuts to, to help the NHS, I was always uncomfortable with that because I thought you cut their tax and the money's going to the club. And I think what the players have now done just shows you the distrust between players, not just Tottenham players and Daniel Levy, distrust of Premier League players and, and their clubs. But as we go further down the line, I think Southampton possibly doing it. We might find those players having to take pay cuts but those pay cuts will be to help the clubs survive, not to help the NHS. I think, just if I can come in there, Rick, I, I think, Jake, you make some brilliant points as normal. And, you know, we are virtually on the same page with this. I think where I was, where I sit with the furlough, I think it was an overreaction from from a lot of the fans even listening. And I'm sorry, listeners, and, you know, give me pelters if you want. But it's such a fluid situation and it's changing all the time. Timings of the, the announcement that we're going to do it after our pre-tax profit and so on and so forth. You know, pre-tax profits and profit and loss is different to cash flow. It's a completely different situation. And if we've got no cash coming in, we might have profits that have been reported, but if we've not got no, got no cash coming through or we've got limited cash coming through the club, and Ricky, you just said it yourself, you know, Joe Lewis doesn't have that massive influence in terms of, you know, banging money into the club. And, and some might say that even if he did, that would be an issue against financial fair play. So we all know, as all the listeners do, that, that Tottenham is run as a business, like most football clubs are nowadays. In order to run that as a business, you have to get some sort of disaster recovery plan in place which is going to allow you to be able to survive with zero revenue. It doesn't matter if you sell mobile phones, sweets in a sweet shop, recruitment services, technology, or, or, or it's football. If you have no revenue coming through, you are going to, your cash position is going to be depleted very, very quickly. And ultimately, without patronising anyone, the reality of the situation is we started off with about $123 million cash in the bank. Uh, in, in uh, on on the uh, on the end of the accounts due, um, June nineteen, and so to start off, I suppose this season or this year with one hundred hundred twenty three million cash reserves. When you factor in what we have to pay, our monthly payments or operating costs are about thirty million, twenty nine point nine million. That doesn't go that far. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, and then you've got to factor in 
the UEFA prize money that we would have got, which is about £22 million from getting to the last 16. But when is that paid? We get the money because we're owed it. But if that isn't paid until the end of the season or, or the season after, we don't know what them contracts are. That impacts cash flow. And again, TV and media, you know, we've, we've got a quarter of the season left to play. Okay, so that's the best part of whatever it is, nine games. You know, based on last year's revenue across the season and match day revenue, and bearing in mind we had Wembley Stadium and also five games at, at, at Spurs, our match day revenue um, was about 80 odd million. So a quarter of that is about 20 million. That's now gone because there's no football. So the revenue that isn't coming into the club, all of a sudden, them cash reserves are getting depleted very quickly. Now, if they're getting depleted, the club as a business, sorry to use that word, guys and girls and listeners, but the club as a business has to take a decision to try and elongate as long as possible, where Jason's just coming from, we don't know when this is going to stop. If we knew 100% that this was going to stop and football was going to return in two months, I don't think um, a, 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 a club or a business like Tottenham Hotspur would have been looking at the furloughing scheme. But but to put people on the furlough, I absolutely agree with, with Jason's point. I think Jamie made it earlier as well. That 20%, that's, that's, I, I can't defend that. I think that they should be paying full pay to their, to their members of staff. But to put them on the furlough scheme, I agree with it. I don't think anything wrong with it. It's a government scheme that wasn't set up for small businesses, you know, regardless of what I've read in the media over the last week. It was not set up. It was set up to safeguard jobs. And the furlough scheme means that you're going to keep your job safeguarded. It is a better route than taking a pay cut um, or, or, or reduced hours. It is a better route than redundancy. And ultimately, at the moment, it lasts for three months. I understand that. But if this gets elongated and um, suppressed further, and we have to go into lockdown, you know, further and further along, I'm sure. Again, it's a fluid. I'm sure that will that will move around. It can be chopped up, and that's the bit that we that we that I really morally disagree with. But but they can't work for the club, the, the furloughed employees. But they can go and get another job. I know that's not easy, and I know that's. But but ultimately, think about it. We're saying to we're, we're saying to organisations, or we're saying to employees, we want to safeguard your job. We're going to use the furlough scheme. We're going to top it up if if you want to be moral. And by the way, for the next three months, you don't have to do any work. But I don't understand what the what the problem is with that. I think, like you say, there the the furlough scheme is one where I think more and more clubs day by day as the circumstances keep on changing, they may revisit that. I think definitely the issue here we've got, Jay bringing you in, is that it's that lost 20%, as Lee mentioned, and as Jason mentioned, that really sticks in the craw because for those furloughed staff, for those lower earners, would Spurs just paying 20% of their salary really have contributed to the ultimate downfall of the football club? Yeah, well, look, it's disappointing. And I think Lee Lee's right there. You know, Spurs have got so much money going out and they've obviously got no income coming in. So somewhere there has to be, you know, there has to be cuts. And for me, one thing, and I, and I hate to do it, it's just slightly, I think it's slightly disappointing. You look at other countries, the likes of um, Italy, Juventus, they've all kind of, they're not getting paid and they're making sure that these staff, uh, the staff, the non-playing staff are all getting paid properly. And I think that that's maybe for me, is the most disappointing thing. Um, obviously, another thing would be that what you've just said in terms of Spurs aren't topping up the rest of their wages. You do feel as though maybe that is something that they could have done, especially at this early stage as well. Um, but look, it's you know it's difficult. You know we, we are doing this standing up and defending of Enoch and and what they've done. And I know 
a lot of people maybe will be disappointed to hear us saying that. But look, at the end of the day, a lot of us have never had the chance to run a business. And I think I said it on the WhatsApp. It's very difficult for us to kind of judge and, and know. And I think a lot of people may be underestimating kind of the the, the severity of the, the impact financially on, on these clubs is this whole situation is having. And, um, you know, that's where, you know, we will try to look at it from a different perspective, maybe where Daniel Levy and the club are coming from and, and why they're doing these things. Uh, and I think that that's kind of the angle that, you know, we want to look at it. And it's, it's, it's very difficult, as I said, you know, to, to judge these people who have been doing this for years and they know what they're doing and a lot of us don't. So, you know, we can all have opinions, but, you know, I think it's a lot of, there has been real outrage and, as I said, you can have opinions, but, you know, it, it is it is difficult, very difficult at the moment. The thing is, Tottenham paid £18.8 million of tax last year. So for the people that are screaming, saying, oh, you know, we, we, they're using the government scheme, the man or woman in the street, it's, but that, we pay our taxes and we're, we're now funding because Joe Lewis and whatever don't want to put his hands in pocket. They paid nearly £19 million in tax last year. So, so you know, they pay into that system. It's not as if they're not paying into the system as a business. I'm talking, forget Joe Lewis out and where he is in his tax exile. I'm not talking about him specifically. You know, that's undefendable. But but what a lot of people think is that, that, that actually they should put their money, their hand in their pocket and just spaff a load of money into the club because of these, these people that, um, these workers and these brilliant community people that are pulling pints on a match day for us and now sitting at home for three months. But their money's safeguarded. You know, this is like a VAR, a VAR situation. Let me explain. The, the problem isn't the technology in VAR. The problem is the rules around the technology. Tottenham Hotspur or Newcastle United, Norwich City, Liverpool, I'm disappointed with Liverpool to, to, to you know, PR-wise, morally fantastic. And I'm disappointed with Tottenham that to not pay that extra 20%, as we've all said. It's, it's, not, it's not right. But the reality is that they've used what the government has set as a rule. So if we've got a problem here, it's with the government. It's it's the VAR. It's not the technology. It's the rules around it. If we've got a problem with the furlough, it's not the furlough. It's the rules around it. You know, all, all, the, all the club have done. And, and like Jason said, we can't, we, we don't know this yet. But mark our words, all of our words, and we're just spoken Premier League at the moment, they will be, based on, if you go and look at their accounts, there will be six or seven clubs, probably more, that, that if this goes on until September, October, they won't be no more. They'll be, be going for administration, a Premier League club. What happens when the Premier, when Sky and BT and BBC knock, knock on a door and say, hi guys, you haven't fulfilled your contracts for the, uh, for the TV and media, which by the way is worth for the rest of the season, about £37 million each club. Where are you getting that from in your cash flow? We only started with £123 million. We've got operating costs uh, coming out on 30, 30 million a month. We've got £91 million at risk because we don't know when we're getting paid the UEFA prize money. We don't know if the TV and media companies are going to want their money back. The commercial companies are sponsorships that we've, we've managed to get about uh, £120, £130 million from this season, or sorry, last season, as reported. What happens if they want a quarter of that back this year because they're not getting their advertising bits? It's so complicated. So to come out and just go pay your staff spurs is, you know, when when it's not as if we've sacked them. What happens if we've sacked them all? If we'd have just turned and gone, right, your jobs are gone. And here's the biggest crux of what I'm going to say on this, is that, 
if we didn't furlough them, if we didn't take steps to run the club in the in the possible way, that's exactly what might have happened. We might have had to lay off everybody, which we might see. We're only talking Premier League. What about the EFL clubs? You know, they're run as a business. They might get, you know, the numbers might not be as big as what Tottenham or, or, or Liverpool's or whatever, but it's all relative. So at the end of the day, I think we just need to have a bit of perspective here. Everybody's learning because we've never been in this situation before, and and we just we just need to work on on that side of things. I think from from the staff perspective in furlough, the biggest disappointment is the twenty percent. But actually, furloughing staff, I don't think that's a problem. It should be safeguarding. The whole point of it is safeguarding your job. And actually, and also by the way, employees have to agree to it. If you don't agree to it, you don't you don't get furloughed. The one thing I would say as well, I think it's, for me, it's just disappointing that you've got all these people that obviously are desperately going to need that sort of income when you have got the players that are, and, and just not just the players, of course, all the highest paid people at the club. And I think that that's maybe the disappointing area that those people at the top, I mean, look, I'm sure the guys will come in and maybe correct me, but I think that that's maybe the one area that does disappoint me the most where you've got all these players that are earning so much money that you, you don't you feel as though they could give up a small proportion of their wages. But they so could, the Jamie. They, they could. Sorry to interrupt. They could. But I'm going back to what Jay said. I think Matt Hancock calling out footballers, I think it's an absolute disgrace. What, why aren't they calling out other people that are high earners? You know, and, and actually, we've chastised footballers this week, not just in Tottenham, but this week for, for, for not helping. But we don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. Then you've got some great stories coming up. Toby with the tablets. Danny with the pizzas, which we'll come on to and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the reality of the situation is you earn the money that you earn. If you want to give it away to a charity or to somebody else or to your parents or to whoever, that should be your choice. Now, if you choose not to do that, everybody can have an opinion to say morally you're wrong. That's absolutely fine. But it's your choice. It shouldn't mean that people should start calling out footballers to say, you you um, bastards or whatever, you, you have to pay extra money. Now, if your employer, as the club, is their employer, if they come out and say, you need to take a wage cut, otherwise we're going under, exactly the point that Jay said about Southampton earlier, that's between the players and the club and the, and the employees to, to be able to sort it out. But for people to be coming out and saying, I think it's a disgrace that they're not putting in, how do we know that they don't pay a million pound every three months into a charity? We assumptions. They have just come out and done that, to be fair to them. And, you know, I think that's absolutely brilliant what they've all arranged. And um, look, one thing I have to make clear is I'm certainly not, you know, I'm not going to call them out. You know, I said it's, you know, you've got to be in that position. And I don't know, it's, it just is difficult. And, um, and yeah, I think the main point is that I, I'm not certainly not calling them out. Um, but, yeah, I mean... No, I wasn't suggesting you were, but I think... Uh, yeah, I wasn't suggesting you were, but I think that, you know, that has been the general, like you say, no, you're on I, social media yeah, yeah. a lot, and sure. there's a lot of perception around that. It's just kind of... We've got to look at it how, uh, the whole thing. We've also got to think about it from the other side of the coin as well, the people, the staff that are getting furloughed. You know, that, yes, of course they're worried, but, but you know, that they are worried about, you know, their 80%, and they've had, to, they've had to take a wage cut, so why haven't the rest of the playing staff? And I think that's the bit that doesn't fit very well does it chasing of wage cuts like i say is is twofold for me there was when it when it was really coming up and when stephen hancock was making these his uh his public announcement if yeah. you like they were looking at players taking a wage cut to be able to put towards the nhs and you know you look at harry kane 200 grand a week 
£90,000 a week he pays into the tax system, which goes towards the NHS. If you cut his wage by 30%, you cut his tax by 30%, so he's paying less towards the NHS. Totally. So tell them to take a wage cut to help the football clubs and make sure 92 clubs survive. That's a totally different issue to one that Stephen Hancock was on about. And we have to be very careful about that. And don't forget, you know, when, when people talk about 30% for footballers... You know, we've just watched Sunderland Till I Die. And uh, it said there, average Premier League player, £64,000. Average Championship player, £14,000. Average League One player, £2,000. Now, somebody on £2,000 a week who have his wages cut by 30%, don't forget that's 2000 before tax as well. So, you yeah. know, not every footballer is this millionaire that... Exactly. That the that's... And if that's League One... I would think a player in League Two, somebody playing for Rochdale, is probably getting by on a thousand pound a week. Now, I'd like to get a thousand pound a week, and I'm sure lots of us would. But I bet there's plenty of listeners of this podcast that earn more than a thousand pounds a week. So, you know, let's let's just be a little bit careful when we label all footballers and things like that, because it's just for not sure. the case that every footballer is a multi-millionaire. And the other part that we have to allow for is the number of foreign players. Sadio Mane gives away about two-thirds of his salary anyway. He's funding yeah. schools and churches and hospitals and all sorts That's of things. Like, exactly, exactly. They're all doing brilliant stuff that we maybe not hear about or whatever, and it, we just cast out aspersion because they earn a lot of money. And and, it, and it's kind of like we don't know what they're doing with that money. And, and to, for me, it's their choice. I think make a brilliant point, uh, you know, uh, to come out and call out the footballers from Matt Hancock, uh, you know, and and the and the people that have done it on social media. I mean, I think it's totally wrong. But And, and now it feels like the, the stuff that they have done, the Premier League footballers, to come out and help the charities or, or whatever, um, is great. But now it almost feels like, well, oh, yes, because we've moaned at them. And, and that, that coming back to our football club, that's what's going to happen. If Daniel Levy now reverses the decision of furloughing, because maybe he's managed to negotiate commercially that we're going to get paid our commercial sponsorship money early and we're going to be able to get our TV money early. I think there was a, a, an article that came out via the Times, uh, via Sky Sports earlier and the Times to say the Premier League are now looking at advancing some of the money to the clubs Um so that it can work on cash flow. If they manage to do that, maybe he will say to the, uh, uh, the guys and girls that he's furloughed, actually, you can come back to work and, and we, can, we can unfurlough you. But but all, all that's going to do now in the, in the media and in social media is go, oh, well, yeah, we made that happen. But you know, it's a complex scenario behind the scenes. Very, very difficult to know the right thing to do morally, the right thing to do by the football club. I mean, these people, a lot of these people that are coming out and saying, oh, this is a joke, you know, I can't believe they're putting them, uh, you know, they're putting them on furlough and this, that and the other. They'll be the same people in three, four months' time when this all blows over going, why don't we sign someone for 100 million? Why don't we sign someone for 120 million? This club's a disgrace. You can't have it both ways. We're in unprecedented times and I suppose we're doing our best. I think, Jace, can I ask you, just, just on Daniel Levy for a second, we've obviously got a lot to talk about. I don't want to drag this on too much, the furlough topic, because as I say, it's, it's continually changing. It's, it's ever moving. I mean, as we know at the moment, Newcastle, born from Norwich, are the other clubs to date to place non-playing staff on furlough. We saw Southampton defer part of their salaries now for April, May and June to help protect the future of the football club. There's no following there for the next three months and employees are to get 100% of their pay. But again, that situation will continue to be reassessed. 
with Daniel Levy, I think the, the most frustrating thing as well is the timing of it, where you look at the case that on the same day, the full financial reports for that year ending 29th for June came out and they showed that he earned a £3 million bonus for delivering the new stadium and on top of a £4 million salary for the year. And when you take all that into account, you think it took around, you know, you look at it, the stadium was nine months late than what it should have originally been. And some people do feel that all that kind of goodwill, all that brilliant we had around the club a year ago with Pochettino, it's been destroyed in the matter of just of just weeks. Can you understand fans feeling like that at the moment? 100%. The only part about the bonus was he didn't take it out on the morning and then lay all the furlough staff off in the afternoon. That was paid to him during that financial year. But but yes, you're right. I mean, to us, to, to anyone, if, you, if you've got a four million salary and you get a three million bonus for delivering a stadium late, then, then it is beyond our, our, our comprehension how, how that works out. And I don't think anyone would would say it was, was you know, rub their hands and, and defend that and thoroughly deserve it. But like I say, the one thing I will say is he wasn't paid it in the morning and then furloughing staff in the afternoon as as one or two of the suggestions about it was. But no, you know, but I presume that the problem comes with all these things, isn't it? Presumably he was contracted, you know, the terms of his bonus would have been in a in a terms of a, a contract and a legal document. And if if he's entitled to his bonus, then he's entitled to his bonus. But um, that's that's the problem with it. But no, none of us can defend it. And I don't think any of us would have said, oh, Daniel, you thoroughly deserve it. Nobody would have done it. Question here, Jace, from Damon Agersberger. Agus74 says, what do you think has led Levy and Enoch to be so out of touch with the fan base at this difficult time for everyone? I don't think there's anything that's led them to it. I think they are genuinely now out of touch with the fan base. We've... We've seen that on a number of issues, haven't we? So I think the, you know, thank God that they reversed their season ticket renewal date um, for the trust. But I think we are at a genuine stage where our football club is, and it will go back to the almost the five years when it was was like before Pochettino came in, and that's not a pro Pochettino comment by the way. It was that a club felt like we were further distance from it, didn't he? And then he brought young players in, and he and the fans and the club looked to be going in the right direction but I think you know this year the events of this year have shown that the club and the fans are starting to fragment there's more and more of us getting angry at the club for all sorts of issues and so when you start to get angry and another thing goes against you that enhances the anger even more and uh, there is a massive amount of work for Tottenham Hotspur to do to get its fans back on board. From a PR perspective, club relations, it hasn't been the best week for the club. We are going to come on shortly to the, the social distancing and what happened there with Mourinho. Question here from Riley, who says, do you think Daniel Levy has been scapegoated for a lot of things that goes wrong at the club, despite it not being all of his fault? Maybe, but again, I'm not going to sit here and just be pro Daniel Levy, um, because, you know, I, although I do think that they've done some brilliant stuff with us, We've won one trophy in the last, what, I don't even know how long it is, since 2008, or, or one trophy underneath their, their stewardship over 20 years. Now, yeah, we've got the best stadium in the world, world-class training facilities and so on and so forth. But, you know, this time has been has been some really good reflection on the football side uh, for, for, for me personally and a, and a lot of us. And, I, and I'll just take you back and the listeners back to the emergency pod we did when all of us were, were, were on that pod. 
when Pochettino got sacked. And although that we, you know, we some of us wanted the change and some of us didn't want want that, it was definitely an end of an era for sure. And and actually, there have been so many posts by by last one on Spurs, by you got by by you Ricky as well, by Dave Ellis, friends of the show, people, you know, um, uh, Lily White. Uh, Rose and you know the, the the reality is about take me back and remember this and you know UEFA Champions League finals and it, we were proud we were proud of our football club and you know the Potticino era was we were you know he's a nice guy and people say maybe nice guys don't win and you know I don't know but and he didn't did he <laughs> but you know everything around the moral of the club everything around the why you know there's, there's, a, there's a sense why we why we exist, why we are what we are, what we do, the values of the club, all the stuff, to be fair, that, that we've discussed before and Jace has talked about and Chris has talked about when, when Jose came in, um, that, that's what's gone. And and now we're just in a, we're in a desert and now we've got this PR stuff and now we've got this furlough stuff and now we've got Jose going out and doing what he wants because that's what he always does. And that's where I think all the disconnect has come from. And I think Jace is right. I think we've gone back to pre- uh, Maurizio Potticino era in terms of finding where uh, you know our our values and our, and our why and I think that's one of the reasons why Potticino started to get a bit disillusioned towards the end because he was the one to coming up what's the next five years look like what's the plan you know some sometimes to be motivated in anything you do you need to have a plan and that might be a big mountain you to climb but you need to you know, I, I suppose break that up into bite-sized chunk. Go after this is what we're going to achieve. We're going to do this this season, this this season, and 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 that's all been lost because we don't know where we're going as a club. Like, t- c- can anybody really tell us? We all sat down and said. I mean, I remember famously saying Jose Mourinho is an interim appointment. Remember on the love on the love sports show because yep. he's an interim appointment. He's, he's a permanent appointment, but he ain't he ain't going to be here longer than three years. It, probably two. Mm. You know, it's just all short term. I mean, we're, we're looking at pe- players like. William, maybe because he's on a free now with all the financial stuff we just talked about. But really, is, is that is that is that the club's philosophy now to buy older players that, that are, are to, towards the end, or, or is that our club's philosophy is a good one because actually we're going to bring people in that have won stuff and got winners rather than it's it's a complete change. And that's the that's the word I will finish that segment on is change. We've got to get used to it. We're going through a transformation. This is the painful rebuild. Tottenham to all the things that we talked about on the show in the past, and and it is painful, and it is a rebuild, and and it's and it's a PR disaster, quite frankly, right now. Jay, easy for you to follow on from that one. Catherine Blue Hart says, "Are you embarrassed by the club as I am at the moment? Compare this time last year, and we're recording on the day in which Spurs last year beat Man City in the Champions League at that brand new stadium. Hummin Son scoring." A wonderful goal, and all of us just feeling so proud to be Spurs fans. I mean, in the space of twelve months, yeah. can you quite believe the difference in feeling at the moment around the club on social media? It's just, how do you feel at the moment? Yeah, well, I think at the moment it's kind of come. This this break has really come at a very welcome time. You know, for me, I haven't really felt as though I've missed watching Spurs play. Um, look, but the, the one reason that I've always kind of defended Daniel Levy and maybe on on previous shows and always kind of seeming like I'm standing up for him. Look, in the 15 years or so that I've been supporting Spurs, I mean, the journey that we've kind of come on, although it's really disappointing, the lack of trophies, and that is, that's the most frustrating thing for me, having seen just one trophy in my lifetime. But from the kind of the journey that we've made from being that club where back in 2010 or so, we finally got into the Champions League and that was a massive thing. 
And now all of a sudden we're regular Champions League clubs. So I can kind of appreciate the journey that we've gone on. And that's something that I, you know, I, I'm really thankful for that they've done for the club um, in terms of the infrastructure that they're going to leave behind when they leave. Um, although the, the most disappointing thing is the lack of trophies. Um, the thing now I'm starting to, you know, I, I think I feel as I'm starting to get to a point where I struggle to see how Enoch and the way that they run the club um, how it's going to take us any further. It just feels as though they're kind of at that point where it doesn't feel as though they're going to be able to take us to that next level when we start winning those trophies. They've managed to get us to a fantastic level, as I've said, in terms of regular Champions League football, being up there in the league. Um, you know, as I said, when I, when I started supporting Spurs, we were nowhere near that. Um, but you just have to question whether whether they are capable of taking us any further. Um yeah, and just in, t in terms of um, the disconnect between the fans, I feel as though, you know, at this point, really, I think they're just, I don't think that Daniel Levy and, and Enoch really care too much about what the fans think of them. I think that really for them, it's it's just about doing what's ever best for the club now. And I think that that's kind of the case in terms of the disconnect. It does feel like that, don't it? Don't, yeah. don't it, Rick? 100%. It, 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 it does feel like that, that yeah. they, they don't get bothered. I mean, and, and actually, sometimes, when it goes back to the business scenario, sometimes in business, you've got to be ruthless. You don't have to be an arsehole about it, but you, you've got to be ruthless and make tough decisions. And that, and, and that's what it seems like that they, they do. They, they, they're not bothered about safeguarding the fans. And, you know, and, and that's my, the biggest problem that I've got as well with them is that, that, that they, you know, without the fans, and we see this, if football comes back, and they're all play, being played behind closed doors. You watch out how, how much football's going to die. Yep. You know the, the, that's reality. And, you know, so vote with your feet and all that sort of stuff. If you know, generally without fans, we ain't got a football club. I and think they, they need to understand that. Hopefully they do, but it doesn't seem like they do. No, I think they've got a lot, <laughs> a lot of I say making up to do. I think they've got a lot now to try and recover a fan base that to me now looks very much against Enoch. And there was a time where maybe there was a split, but I think now when you look online and you, and you see it, the people's frustrations, I see a lot of people now saying they're not going to renew their season tickets in the future. I think some people have just had enough now. And I think the latest of this, you know, the, the PR disaster when it comes to the furlough aspect of that 20% and also when it comes to other stuff that's happened around the football club, where we, were, where we were so proud to be Spurs fans and we had someone as a leader that, you know, we were trying to do it organically. And of course, maybe it got to the end of that cycle where it never worked out. It does feel that at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any kind of clear direction, clear pathway. You talk about Lee always having a plan. There doesn't seem to be so, a plan at the moment. And that's the biggest worry. So I'm sure we'll be revisiting this topic over the next weeks, over the next months. But what we're going to do, we are going to go for a very, very short break. And when we return, we discuss part two of an absolute horrendous week for Spurs on the PR front where they broke the social distancing rules. Do not go anywhere. We are back after this very, very short break. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs here. Plenty of stuff to dissect. And as we said, we hope you and your family are well as we continue to battle COVID-19. Crazy, unprecedented times here. Although Spurs haven't had many games recently, there's still so much to talk about, and that brings us to the latest of the PR gaffes. And Jace, Jose Mourinho organised a training session with Tungyun Dembele, Ryan Sessegnon and Davinson Sanchez and Hadley Common in Barnet. Despite initially suggesting social distancing rules were being respected, the club were understood to be unimpressed. Later that day, we saw footage emerge on social media of Sanchez and Ryan Sessegnon jogging side by side 
And elsewhere in North London, we then saw surgery being filmed in close quarters by a friend while out for a run. I mean, if the furlough situation and the accounts coming out at the same time wasn't enough, Jays, I think this kind of sent the fan base really into overdrive. I mean, what do you make of this absolute gaff? It's hard to know. I don't think there was a training session organised for four players. I think, you know, by by what I read today, that, that Sessegnon and Sanchez live in exactly the same same apartment block or whatever. So, you know, they've gone out and in theory they were supposed to be there two metres doing their exercise and they came across a work colleague on the common. Now, I don't know, I'd like to ask any of the podcast people out there, if you were out doing your exercise that they've said you're allowed to do and you saw your next door neighbour or you saw a work colleague, would you completely, totally ignore them and walk past as if they're totally invisible to you? And it may just be that Sanchez and Sessegnon stopped for 30 seconds. And, of course, in that 30 seconds, off goes the cameras. And, you know, why are they being followed in the first place? So, but, but for Mourinho to specifically organise a, a session with Kongi and Dombele on the common is obviously wrong because the rules are that you don't, you don't arrange to meet up with people. So I wasn't too happy with, with that part of it. I suppose that... Not to defend it at all. What I was pleased about is that Mourinho is trying to address an issue with Tongi and Dombele rather than wash his hands of the issue. So, you know, we all know what we want Dombele to be. I don't think any of us want to... I mean, if, if we didn't have this COVID situation, I think we'd all want Dombele to work his bollocks off over the summer and get himself fit for next year rather than just dumping him. We've always made the suggestions here that Dombele could become the latest Pogba where Mourinho just thinks... Oh, to hell with it, I wash my hands of it. So I'm pleased to see him try to engage him and, and and rather than just leaving it to fitness coaches, we keep hearing that where he's just not fit. Well, fitness coaches can sort the fitness. So obviously Mourinho's trying to get, get a little bit more out of him, get inside his head, whichever. So from that point of view, I'm pleased to see it. But as I said, you can't defend the fact that, that he went to a, a public common to do it. I mean... You know, there's a way that he could have done it over video or something like that. But um, as I say, I think more was made of it when Sessignon and Sanchez turned up rather than than, than needed to be. But, um, you know, we all know what the rules are. They're not That's the problem partly, isn't it? It's not rules, it's guidelines. That's the other part of it. And they broke guidelines and I'm glad the club have, have readdressed the issue, that's for sure. Jay, bringing you in, you know, Mourinho's session with Ndombele was, to, from what you understand, to help the midfielder from a psychological perspective rather than a fitness strategy. He wanted to make the player feel more important to the team. I mean, in normal circumstances, we'd love that. We've always spoke about the talent of Ndombele. We know what quality he is. We want to hope that Mourinho can try and get the best out of this guy. But it's, it's timing again, isn't it, Jamie? I mean, we talked about earlier about the statement yeah, coming yeah, out. It's, yeah. it's all about the timing and, and why do it now? I don't know. It was absolutely bizarre. Um, and, and really, you know, what, what, what if someone spots them and then puts it all over social media and then you've got people thinking, look, Jose Mourinho and Tongi and Dombele are, are at this location. And then you've got people coming down and just that are probably going to be stupid like that. Um, I don't know. It's just it was just a bizarre situation. Um, yes, I agree. It's you know it's brilliant that they're trying to work and do something, but you know I, unfortunately I cannot defend them at all. I think it's just it's a little bit selfish. You know we're doing all this stuff for clapping for the NHS and you know we're brilliant work that we're doing, but you know when you're going out and doing stuff like that where you're ignoring guidelines that are there to kind of protect the NHS and 
and stop this from spreading. It was just a, it was a bizarre thing. I really can't understand why. And, and even why couldn't this have been done at the training ground? I mean, maybe there was a reason that it couldn't have been done at the training ground, but to do it in a public place where, you know, you could get spotted and then potentially bring more people down there. I think that that was one of the, just a really strange thing and a, a, a very, very odd move from Mourinho. Lee, originally we saw the, the Guardian mm. report that Mourinho was adamant that social distancing was respected during his training session with Ndombele. Then only 24 hours later he admitted that he was wrong to conduct a public session with his Spurs players and reinforced the message that everyone must stay at home. I mean, how embarrassing is that for such a public figure, famous man, well-known to have got himself in that situation? How, how embarrassing do you think that is? He won't be embarrassed. No chance. I think it's a PR, PR stunt. It would have been perfect for Jose to get his attitude, to get his airtime across to say, we have tried everything with Tungai. We have tried everything. You remember that time when I done, you know, this world-class training program with him? And then remember that time when I broke the rules so we could get him out there to do a to do a um, uh, to do a specific mentally focused training session. Like the lads have said, go to the training ground, do it in your freaking garden. You're a multi-millionaire. You've probably got a massive garden yourself. No, we were just talking about money. Like, hello? Like, as if you ain't got space to go and do that. Why go on the common? It was a PR stunt. He's done it in public on purpose. Come on. Ridiculous. Uh, just to add as well, just to add as well with, um, you know, it might have observed social distancing, but the other rule is you can't mix from people with other households. And that, yeah. that's the issue. I know people tweeted me after I'd, I'd kind of put it out there that this had happened. And they'd say, oh, what's wrong? You know, social distance has been adhered to, but... You can't mix with other households, and that was the issue. And uh, again, it's just you know, there are too many people that are don't quite understand these rules, and you know they're in place for a reason. And it's really embarrassing that's our manager. That, that's that's why I'm I'm uh, you know well quite frankly I'm I'm angry about it. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed by it because actually you now we're talking about you know saving lives and staying in, and you know there's people in you know different circumstances all around the country, all around the world. You know, they're living with other people they are having to self-isolate or have to stay in. They're living in a one-bedroom flat on the 15th floor and they can't go out for food. And then you've got Jose Mourinho, not being funny, who blatantly has done this as a PR stunt. Like, you know, he's already been in a food bank helping do the food bank stuff like last week, which is brilliant PR. That's the shame, and then he's come it? out and done this. That's the shame, though, Lee, isn't it? For some of the great work he's done and for some of the great work we've seen some Spurs players do, we've seen the club also, you know, allow doctors to go and help with the COVID crisis. We've seen the club also giving up the stadium to allow the stadium to hold and donate food and keep that there as a sanctuary. Exactly. It's such a shame. Guys, come on. He only did that in public so he knew he'd get seen. He's probably tipped off the photographer and all sorts of stuff. So that's why they got the story. Oh, come on. That don't happen. I'm sorry. Conspiracy or not, I'm not having it. Like, he could have done that in, in the back garden. He could have done it on video. They could have done it, like, in the training ground, as Jamie said. But they chose to go to a public place. When does a player ever go to a public place? Are you having a laugh? Like, when do they run around freaking the, the park? Never. Not having it. Mm. I mean, Jamie, we've got a, more of a statement in here. This is from Top Cat, who says, the manager and the players that have been seen in parks should be fined. And also, does Daniel Levy really think is important and needs to have his estate worked on by Spurs staff. I mean, that was just one thing that came out of the Telegraph, that potentially that's an option for some people to go and work on his estate. But back to this, Jace, to kind of finish up on this social distancing and, and the errors in this. I mean, it, like we said, it's a shame because we've seen Mourinho do some great work, but all that is undone due to something that, I mean, Lee reckons is a publicity stunt. 
again, is there a case where the club, for, for all the stuff that's gone on from the furlough, this just kind of adds to the frustration amongst the fan base at the moment, Jace? It does, because it comes on the back of the other decision. And, and like we say, we're all doing our bit. And Tottenham Hotspur hit the, hit the front pages yet again for, for all the wrong reasons. And I think, you know, Daniel's got to have a serious think about the PR department at Tottenham, because this won't be forgotten, this period. And, you know, even if football comes back on, uh, on, on September, October, and and we go and launch a 30, 40 million pound bid for somebody, the media will be the first people on it saying, this is a club that had furloughed staff that the taxpayer helps at. Now they're trying to sign a 40 million pound player. This player is going to be paid 200 grand a week. Why are we having that? Whatever Tottenham Hotspur do now is going to be so closely followed by the by the media. that, that And that's unfortunately the position that Daniel's decision has put the club into in that we're bringing this attention on ourselves. And I tell yeah. you, that attention will continue to get more and more. And as I say, you know, for those players to be running across the common, there's the video camera on them. Nobody can escape the video camera at the moment. And I guarantee you, if a newspaper can run an anti-Tottenham story now, they will run that anti-story. And the only thing way they can run an anti-story is if Tottenham Hotspur do something wrong. And so our players have got to be We've got to be like the Australian cricket team in the aftermath of the Steve Smith ball tampering scandal. We have got to be whiter than white, and that's got to be for a long, long time. What's interesting about that is, that is you talk about player recruitment and whether or not you know we get scrutinised for spending forty million or whatever on a player. Well, you know, you've got to start questioning. We go back to the plan and the why and the whole feel about the club. Why do players want to come and play for us now? Why do they want to come and morally work work with us after you know the moral issues around the twenty percent of the furlough or the you know, Jose Mourinho just you know just does what he wants. You know, that, it, it is that is that bad vibe? Is it's a point I'm making? Is that bad vibe going down to the players? We talk about Harry Kane's comments and is his future at Spurs and is he looking at this thinking? What's going on here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe Christian had the right idea. I, I need to get out myself. I'm glad you brought him up, Lee, because that's kind of where I'm going to be going next. And Jay, I'll start with you because Kane was asked whether he'd be at Spurs for the rest of his career. Harry did underline his intent to be one of the world's best players and said he would not stick with Spurs if he did not feel he could achieve what he wants at the club. Now, I'll be honest, when I first saw this interview over Instagram with Jamie Redknapp, I didn't think there was much wrong with it. Kane said everything I would expect Harry Kane to say. He's not going to stay at a club where he doesn't believe it's going in the right direction. Did that tell you anything groundbreaking, Jay, that we didn't already know? Or do you think, again, it's being hyped up because of the lack of football at the moment, because it's probably less stuff for writers to write about? Mm, I, yeah, I, of course. I think it's exactly that. I mean, I saw a story with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and um, kind of the word um, he was done a similar interview with uh, Gary Neville. And Gary Neville used a specific word um, kind of taken advantage of this situation in the transfer window. And, and that's where stories can get spun differently. You know, Kane was simply asked a question. You know, it is difficult for him to kind of get a, dodge that question. Um, for Spurs fans, yes, it is very difficult, especially in, in such difficult circumstances anyway that we're all facing for our best player, our star man, our talisman, one of our own to come out and say that. It was disappointing, but... Look, I think we all know, look, if the club isn't heading in the right direction, which at the moment it doesn't seem to be doing, you know, you've got Kieran Trippier coming out after the Champions League um, uh, round of 16 against Liverpool, saying that it was a brilliant decision for him to, to leave Atletico. And of course, I think he said earlier um, in, in earlier interviews that he was, 
he really needed to get out of the club because of what was going on behind the scenes. So, you know, you, you totally understand Harry Kane coming from that position. You know, he's going to be uh, get to an age, he's going to be 27 soon. Um, so, you know, he's going to be getting on in, in his career. I think the one thing that I look at at the moment and, and clubs, as we've, as we've discussed, trying to stay afloat, it's, it's going to be very difficult now for clubs to go out and, and buy a player like Harry Kane for that sort of price. I'm not sure that many clubs are going to have that sort of cash where they're going to have £200 million to go and spend on a 27-year-old. Now, of course, there's not just his age, there's his injury record as well. So Harry Kane, you know, he is a risk to buy. He is a fantastic player and... And if you had kept him fit, of course, he's a guy that would probably go win many teams the league. Um, but if you look at the, the kind of the things that do come with him and, and the price tag that Spurs are going to be asking for, um, it is difficult at this stage in time to see him getting that move now. I think you make it again some brilliant points, Jane. But I, I also, as well on, on Harry Kane, you know, we all know we've just been talking about the man in terms of the business guy, Daniel Levy, and this and the other. He's not going to let him go on the cheap. He's his prized uh, asset. So, you know, if clubs are coming in and they can't afford, like you've just said, they can't afford him in terms of, you know, the, these big price tags, he's just going to stay. And then does that then mean that, that Harry, he's one of our own, he's an amazing professional, I love him to death for it, as we all do. But, but, is he then going to start to tarnish his own legacy himself, yeah. almost like a Christian like Eriksen? Because actually, like it, yeah, because yeah. yeah, actually, he wants to he wants to go and win trophies somewhere, and 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 actually, the club aren't allowing him to do that. This is this is you know speculation, of course. We're just debating, aren't we? But there's ramifications around all of this stuff coming back to that PR and the, uh, of the club over the last couple of weeks with Harry, what how he acts and how he is. That what we see through social media, that sort of stuff, he just seems like he is somebody who 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 adheres morally to certain things, and you know, and 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 I don't think this types these types of situations sit well. I'm glad Lee, you you kind of brought that up because I, you yeah. look at Harry, and he does seem to be like the kind of perfect role model, and I think he would definitely be quite embarrassed by how the club have handled this past week from the furlough situation to the social distancing. I mean, like I think you mentioned earlier, Harry was one of the first players to really promote yesterday of that Players Together campaign, the fact of giving money to the NHS and donating. And again, I just wonder from Harry's perspective, does he truly feel the club is now heading in the right direction? It kind of also brings up that point that, could you imagine, Lee? I mean, if Enoch decide to sell Harry Kane, that's the poster boy of the football club, that's the talisman, that is Mr Tottenham. Could you ever <laughs> see them ever turning the tide here? I don't think I could ever could. In short, no, but it's, it's such a difficult one. I mean, you know, Jamie said so many times, should have sold Christian Eriksen two and a half years ago, and now it would have been, you know, um, uh, FSG, I think it's called, isn't it? Fenway Sports Group, who, who own Liverpool. They've just been lauded because they reversed the furloughs uh, decision. But they did also sell, you know, their, their prize asset in Philip Coutinho, 547 million. Um, they also sold uh, Torres. They also sold Luis Suarez. So, you know, Liverpool in the past also, you know, ha- have been um, not not averse, if you like, to selling their, their superstars. Um, yeah, we sold Gareth Bale, um, and uh, and we we spent all the money on the you know the famous seven and all that. Everyone knows the history of that. Didn't work out to where we wanted it to be, but Philip Coutinho got sold, and uh, they buy Van Dyke and Allison, and and they win the Champions League, and and probably going to win the league if it ever gets finished. So it's it's so it's it is fine margins, and we, we, Jason and I always talk about that anyway, as you, as we all know. But but it's it's hard to know. I mean, at the end of the day. 
from a from a from a cashing in on your top asset, if it if it won you the league or the Champions League the next season on, like it did with Liverpool, let's throw it out there. Would you do it? Would you sell our top prize asset in order to be in the mix? You can't guarantee because it's football, but be in the mix to win a Champions League or a Premier League. Would you do it? I wouldn't because I tell you my problem is I don't trust the current board to go and actually replace Harry Kane adequately. And we're but still in a situation a at the point. moment where we've only got one other striker at the club in Troy Parrott, a young kid that for the moment hasn't really been given much of an opportunity. And mm-hmm. I just think with the way the club is at the moment, if you were to sell Harry Kane, I think for a lot of fans, that would be the final the final blow, especially under this stewardship of Enoch. I think that would be. But Jace, just to bring your thoughts on Harry Kane... Um, anything he said there for you, there's nothing I don't think that was quite groundbreaking, but obviously we've got to comment on it because it was a, a player discussing his future. Thoughts on Kane's comments, Jace? No problem with what he said whatsoever. It was a, it was a non-story. And he didn't actually say anything that he, he hadn't said before. So, you know, he didn't say, I don't think this club's going in the right direction. He said what he's always said is, when I don't think it does, then then I'll move it. The, the problem for your a football season is, what, August to May, nine months, isn't it? A football season last nine months. Harry Kane hasn't played since New Year's Day. If we don't play football till September, that's nine months. So he'll be sitting there thinking that I've effectively lost a whole season here. And does that make a difference to how you think? Do you actually then start to think a little bit earlier? Do you know what? I've lost the whole season of my career here now, and it's not going. And perhaps now I do have to put. But that that need to win trophies before my love for this football club. So it it might have changed his his timing of that decision. And the other problem is that we talk about Tottenham's lack of cash flow. We talk about their lack of income. We talk about them having to pay possibly money back to the for the TV rights deals or losing TV rights deals. We talk about all those cash revenues, and we do know that Daniel Levy likes a balance sheet. So whilst he might not get the two hundred million that we want. If Daniel Levy was to receive a bit of 80, 90 million and he is desperate for cash, don't be surprised if he cashes in. And as much as fans won't like it, he may well put that balance sheet before. And we know he does it. But if it comes to putting that balance sheet first and we haven't played a game of football for since March and it, we're now in September, October before we're playing a game, don't be surprised if he does. Does Kane's mindset at all, though, Jace, change over, like Lee said, the, the club relations over this last week or two? To me, it's the polar opposite of the way Kane is as a person than with the way we've handled ourselves as a club in this last week or so. Does he look at that as well and think, I just don't know if this club's right for me anymore? That, that's my biggest worry. Quite possibly. I think I think a lot of those players, we saw Jan Vertonghen, OK, it's only a like on a tweet, but, you know, when he he, he, he likes the, uh, the Liverpool... Um, reversal decision thing which is and I think he's been told to take that down now isn't he or told to unlike it or whatever well it's not there but anymore think, it's not there anymore well, in his profile <laughs> so there you go the club obviously weren't too happy with it and somebody somebody's had a word with him <clears throat> I think Harry probably is embarrassed by the club and we all know it again I think the thing we we sometimes forget with footballers they're human beings and if you stop respecting your employer and your bosses then you have a problem you have a problem, and it wouldn't surprise me. As lost respect, and you know, I mean, we talked about it earlier a little bit with the with the Sunderland documentary, and I, I think when you watch a documentary like that, and that's why it will be good to see the Tottenham one. You actually see them as human beings. You see the impact it has on their families. You see, 
you see how much defeats hurt and things when we always accuse them of not caring and things like that. Uh, there's a great clip on there of, I know we're going slightly off subject, but of one of their players being shouted abuse in a supermarket and how difficult that is for his family who is there. And we don't see all of those things. And that's when you realise they're human beings, not just the footballer that's on 200 grand a week or whatever. And as human beings, they will have sat around those when their tables and they'll have talked amongst themselves about the decision to furlough. And I don't think one of those players would have supported that decision. So there's, that's what I mean. Daniel's got a hell of a lot of work to do to get everyone back on board. And it, it's not just the fans that are probably not happy with him. Mm. And it comes at a time where, let's be honest about it, the football on the pitch only a month ago wasn't the greatest either. So I think all of us have... I've, I think enjoyed this break to some degree. I because... forgot. I'd forgotten that bit, Rick. Yeah, sorry. I thought I'd just chuck that in there. Really, I thought I'd just chuck that in there. The fact we haven't played football for a month. I mean, it's quite nice not losing all the time. It's been quite refreshing just doing shows and not having to worry about defeats. So, it has been a bit of a break. In other news about breaks, we've seen uh, Hummin Son will be completing his four weeks military service in South Korea during the Premier League shutdown. The club's announced. Jace, it's only right to ask you this. Obviously, you being you know closely affiliated with, with Thailand and, and Asia and what that's like. And what will Son have there in store? Because there's been some kind of crazy stories as to what Son will be expected to do as part of this military service. Is there anything like that's being reported? Well, with these three sendings off this year, he's already been like a mini Rambo, hasn't he? So, <laughs> you know, there's something going into the army. I mean, I, I, I fear for anyone who's out there. It wouldn't surprise me if he invades North Korea on his own. Oh, that's, my God. You know, but no, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it involves. It's it's a four-week thing. I suppose the club probably t- took the right chance to to say, right, serve the four months now, or the four weeks now, and it, it, it's a good idea to get it done. Uh, unless, of course, unless, of course, he picks up an injury doing that, which wouldn't surprise you. But, um, no, I, I can understand the sense in it being done. I think nice for him. He's back in his own country at a time when, you know, like I say, with so many foreign players in the Premier League, they want to be at home with their families, probably. You know, we don't understand that. So uh, it's a chance for him to be closer to home and make this perfect sense to, to have him doing it now. Somebody said, will Daniel Levy ask the Koreans to pay his salary in that case for that, for the four months? And uh, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if that happens, does it? Daniel's, Daniel's charged him a loan fee or something like oh that. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I wouldn't have it would surprise you with that man at the moment with what's going on at this football club. Who knows? I think it's time to mention some good things that are going on at the moment because I think there's been plenty of bad in this last week, but there has been some some plenty of good stuff to talk about. Toby Adavira Old Lee, he's purchased numerous media tablets to donate to hospitals and nursing homes to enable families to communicate in self-isolation. And he's also donated loads of tablets as well from a medical perspective. So there is some good stuff going on in what's been a very difficult week for the club. I'm glad you clarified medical and uh, media because every time someone says, oh, he's got thousands of tablets being going out, I'm thinking, what sort of medication is the guy sending across? So, no, it's, uh, it's been really good. And, and obviously, we, we mentioned earlier um, briefly about Danny Rose and the pizzas and the 19,000 that he's um, uh, that he's donated in, or was it 1.9 million? I think it was 19,000, I just want to give a couple of shout outs to people that replied to me on there in terms of good news because I put out on the Twitter feed earlier trying to be optimistic about this uh, Tottenham this week. It's quite difficult. Um, so we had the Toby of all of our one. That was a shout out to Alison Jane Smith. Um, at, at fullback 03, uh, David Ellis, uh, he talked about making sure that people are two metres apart uh, in, uh, in Barnet Park. And uh, Fraggle29 uh, said that we haven't lost any games. That's obviously got to be positive. Uh, got no new injuries. Um, and that's mega positive. So uh, yeah, fair, fair play. 
Um, Adrian Marston as well. We haven't lost. I think you've already said that. Uh, Graham Butler, Graham underscore Butler. Uh, longest we've gone for God knows how long without losing. So I think that's pretty, a bit of common theme. And and, uh, and actually, Tony D, 1973, mentioned about Cliff Jones and the videos that he's been doing out. I mean, the guy's 85 years old and he's been working out. Have you seen the workout videos that Cliff's been posting? Oh, it's been um, It's been brilliant. It's been fantastic, absolutely brilliant as well. So uh, yeah, so there is there is a good uh, there is a couple of good things that are, that are coming out there um, of the club. But in 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 like what you said, Rick, is it is a difficult week. Mm. Jay, just to finish up, I mean, we also mentioned earlier in the show that Spurs we have donated the match day food to the Felix UK project, and we've opened the stadium car park to the London Food Alliance. And those Spurs have also, as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, a lot of their medical staff now are actually going to, you know to help the NHS, you know, to go to hospital. So. During this, what's been a, definitely a, a difficult week for the club from a PR perspective, there is some good stuff as well that I think does need to be mentioned during this difficult time. The football clubs and um, players have obviously come under a lot of unfair scrutiny recently. Uh, a lot of people calling them for, to do more. But I think it's the point that the guys made earlier in the show. You know, you don't really know quite what they do behind the scenes, like even privately. But, you know, a lot of the stuff they have been doing is, is really great. I think this whole the the Players United thing that they all tweeted out yesterday and they've been tweeting out on social media. I think that's a, a fantastic thing to do. So yeah, I, I just it is harsh a lot of the criticism, and that's where you've got to be careful in terms of really jumping on these guys' backs because they do do a lot of good work. I mean, we saw you know Toby Alderweireld do that thing where he FaceTimed that um, that paramedic who was a Spurs fan. That was brilliant to see. It was brilliant work from Danny Rose donating all that money to to um, to the hospital. So yes, yeah, there's been a lot of good stuff, and again, it's you know it's just about being careful, you know, criticising these guys too much because I think that what they have done, they're doing a lot of very good work, and they're certainly doing a lot more good work than the people that are being very un, very harsh on them. Agree. And JC, Danny Rose does get it. <laughs> no, I mean I've I've given him one hell of a bashing for all sorts of things, and what he's done was absolutely fantastic and full respect to him but but I think you also saw in that one of the reasons why perhaps footballers don't always want to publicise it because you know whilst the vast majority of comments were were really appreciative to him there's still the odd idiot that writes on there really is that all you could do 19 grand and then somebody with the pizza thing really bought a few pizzas and you think you're a hero you know, sometimes it's just a simple gesture is is appreciated by them. And, and I shouldn't think any of the ones, those nurses that got a pizza that night thought, is that really all he could do? Why can he send us a bottle of wine at the same time? I mean, it's so when they when they make a gesture and they're 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 given for Toby, I think, again, if you go down it, football is such that you know, all the Spurs fans praised in Toby, but there'll be the Arsenal fan and the Chelsea fans. Like, really? Is that all you could do? A few tablets and none of that goes towards this and that. And so I think when players make decisions to donate of whatever club that that, that is, you know, there's always the the little snidey comments from other people. And and that that's what's sad to see. And I hope that when football does get back to this, we do have a little bit of a moral reset and some of that hatred and just petty jealousy and that disappears. I'm, I'm sure it won't do, but, you know, I mean, the Darren Farley impersonations of, of Kane constantly at this time. And you think, really, is do we really need things like that going on? So I think I think we all have to have a look at ourselves after this, not just players and, and how we, we, we look at football and the morals that are in football. And, you know, if you think 200 grand a week is an obscene salary now, well, wasn't it an obscene salary two weeks ago? 
So let's let's have a little bit of a reset in football, and I hope that that comes of it. And that's that's a football across the balls, not just Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Agree. Well, I think that's the perfect note to end it on. Listen, Lee, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's been a tough, tough couple of weeks, months for you at the moment. So really appreciate you coming on, Lee. Keep well, keep safe. Great to be back. And uh, for me, come on, you Spurs. Come on, get this together. Make it happen. Please stay safe, everyone. We can get through this. Yeah, there will be plenty more shows coming your way, uh, depending on what kind of news we get from Tottenham. So if it's another week like this, then uh, there will be more news. But hopefully we won't have to keep giving any kind of negative publicity because it's bad enough at the moment. Jay, Jamie, that is. Thank you for coming back on the show, Jay. Always a pleasure. My pleasure, of course. And uh, yeah, I hope the listeners all continue to stay well. Everyone stays well. It's great to hear from everyone today. Uh, yeah, really good show. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we Spurs try to keep the best that staying up the headlines this week. Agree. And Jace, I know you said you wasn't going to return, but under these circumstances, my God, it's been pretty crazy, isn't it? Well, we're not talking transfer windows and we're not talking about buses being parked and we're not talking about injuries and things like that. So, you know, I'm happy. One of the, one of the good things we've done with some of the, the shows of talking to, to some of the old players and without giving the names away, you and I had a fantastic chat to one the other night, didn't we? Who, mm. who actually ended up being a coach against us this season and how, how his side prepared for Tottenham. And it went off in a different direction to how we thought. And that will be an absolutely fascinating listen for people. Did we lose that, that game, Jase? Not, not saying anything other than the facts. And, and it was really interesting, wasn't it, Rick, to hear, <laughs> hear who, who they highlighted as the players to look out for and things like that. And it wasn't always the ones you expect it to be. And, and, and the tactics behind stopping us and then trying to hit our weaknesses. So that was a fascinating chat. And, and like I say, it was done this season. So it, it's pretty much up to date and, and things like that. And it'll be a, a really good listen, I think, that show. Yeah, and that show will yeah. be with you in the next couple of weeks. We've got some great shows coming your way, despite this crisis that we find ourselves in. Listen, as everyone said, guys, keep well, keep safe. And Jimmy Greaves as well, Tottenham Hotspur legend. Let's hope he gets himself back and well very, very soon. As always, keep the faith. And come on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.